Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. One evening back in June 2023, my wife and eldest daughter and I, we had the privilege of going inside the Sydney Opera House, I call it the Operating House, and we took part in a concert by the Irish-American musicians Keith and Kirsten Getty. And for two hours we sang songs of worship that probably had never been sung inside that famous concert hall, at least not by so many people, as 2,000 voices tried to lift the roof with uh, holy, 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 and in Christ alone and the Lord God Almighty reigns. It was an occasion that we'll remember for a long, long time. And it reminds me of how the book of Psalms ends with five songs of praise meant to lift the roof off the Jerusalem temple, or at least rattle the rafters of any church building. Welcome to the Praise and Worship edition of Meals for Maturity, as we open the close of the book of Psalms, Psalm 146 all the way through to Psalm 150. Five ancient songs given to God's people in the Old Testament and left for Jesus' people in the New Testament to help us journey with joy and to praise God now and into eternity. Now I previously gave us two intro talks to the book of Psalms uh, and I think you'll do well to listen to them uh, first if you haven't already. Well right in the middle of our Bibles is a big book uh, of Psalms. Actually it's five books of Psalms. 150 Psalms or poems or songs from Old Testament times uh, collected and collated together into part of the Bible that Jesus read. And the New Testament writers will quote from this part of the Bible more than any other of the Old Testament books. That's probably why Martin Luther called it My Little Bible, the condensed version. And as we study these last five Psalms, I think we can rightly call it our little praise book. Now it's not hard to see the big theme across Psalms 146 to 150. All five Psalms begin and end with praise the Lord, or in Hebrew, hallelujah. Uh, The Hebrew word Hallel, to praise or boast, and Yah, the three-letter word representing the name of God. Hallelujah. I like what uh, Charles Spurgeon says about these closing psalms. He says, we are now among the hallelujahs. The rest of our journey is through the delectable mountains. All is praise to the close of the book. The key is high-pitched. The music is upon the high-sounding cymbals. Well, these five psalms, they close the book of Psalms by saying or singing to us, here's your hallelujah chorus. So tune your instruments, have a glass of water nearby and lift your voice heavenward to to praise God, the God of all creation, to praise the God of our redemption. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, chapter 3, verse 11, God has planted eternity into the human heart. And praise is the pathway that leads our hearts into the presence of God, indeed into all eternity. Now we naturally praise things that we treasure, that we admire or worship. So people will praise art and praise various artists, whether in print or on canvas or on the big screen or on the musical stage. Large crowds, of course, will praise various forms of sporting achievements or abuse an opposition if they beat your praiseworthy team or individual. Other people will praise the beauty of a person or the creation around us or the success in a particular field. So you can praise a chef for her cooking, a barista for his brew, a mathematician for their mind. 
Praise happens all around us by people. It's just that the Bible says is often misdirected or misguided praise for our ultimate praise and worship is, of course, to be directed toward our Creator God, our Redeeming Lord, our life-giving Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Triune praise is the only proper form of praise for earthly creatures like you and me. A thankful, praising heart will always be a distinctive marker of someone seeking to follow the Lord Jesus. And I hope that's the state of your heart in joyful times, but also in difficult moments. Now, before we look at Psalm 146, I want us to see how these last five psalms are actually grouped together, not not just by the Hallelujah bookends, but perhaps we can summarize these five psalms this way. Psalm 146, individual praise. My soul, praise the Lord. Psalm 147, congregational praise. All Israel, praise the Lord. Psalm 148, all creation, praise the Lord. Psalm 149, kingdom praise. The Lord rules over all. And then finally, Psalm 150, heavenly praise. Everything with breath, praise the Lord. In other words, these five psalms are showing us that praise to God is the ultimate goal for God's people. Indeed, for all of creation. Praise is what our breath is made for. So let's hear Cherub now with her breath read this song of praise. Psalm 146 verses 1 to 10 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches over the sojourners, he upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. My favourite edition of Psalm 146 put to song is by uh, a group called Generation Church. You can check them out sometime online. Here's a simple outline for Psalm 146. Verses 1 and 2, a lifetime of praise. Verses 3 to 4, a warning. Don't trust people. Don't trust and praise people. Verse 5 to 9, a refocus. Do trust and praise God. And verse 10, an eternity of praise. Now what we don't tend to notice in our English translations is that verses 1 and 2 is a call to praise God in the plural. That is, it's for all of God's people to do together when they gather together. Yes, we are to be a people of praise individually, but corporately we cry out together in praise for our only true help and hope. Which shouldn't come as a surprise because in many ways the book of Psalms is Israel's hymn book. And our unknown psalmist here in Psalm 146 invites all of God's people to be a praising God people. As long as I live, he says, while God gives me breath, while I am, I will praise God. And it's not a praising God moment just when things are going really, really well. 
It's relatively easy, isn't it, to praise God in moments of success or great joy or mountaintop experiences of life. It's much more telling, really, to uh, keep praising God even in the valleys of life, in the hard times, in the pain and struggles of this thorn-infested world. That's where the testimony or example across Scripture actually helps us and at times gives us models of what verses 1 and 2 can look like. It's a Shadrach, Meshach and off to bed you go in a fiery furnace and yet they're still singing their hallelujahs. It's Habakkuk chapter 3 having a, a bad season on the farm yet still being able to say bring out the stringed instruments and yet I will rejoice in the Lord. It's a Paul and Silas chained to a guard in a Philippi prison yet still singing hallelujahs as the jail house starts to rock and roll literally and musically. The psalmist says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And knowing that others in God's family are seeking to do this as well, sure gives us strength to keep lifting our voices and our hearts heavenward. And then verses 3 to 4, we're given a warning of where not to place our hopes or our trust or our praise. Don't put your trust or praise in princes. Now, why would we ever do that? I'm not about to trust Prince William or Prince Harry or any other princess for that matter. I don't know about you. Surely we can't be that silly. Well, the problem is that we do far too often. Now, the word prince here, of course, can be interchanged with all sorts of descriptors for us nowadays. So don't put your trust in presidents or prime ministers or politicians. Don't put your trust in nobility or influencers or celebrities. By further extension, don't put your trust in preachers or institutions or even in your church programs. So the psalmist tells ancient Israel, and we need to be told centuries later as well, people will always give us false hopes and people will always let us down. And people are not worthy of true praise. I like what one pastor says, Trust me when I tell you, you can't trust me. In other words, don't put Christian leaders on pedestals. They will fall off. Trust me. It's not good for you and it's not good for us and our pride as Christian leaders. Sarah Groves, singer-songwriter, sings the heartbreaking song, Remains of the Day, it's about the fall of a Christian leader. She sings, All this time you were a statue of gold. We gathered round you to behold you, a centre of gravity. All this time you held the honey in your hand, the only keys to understanding, holy charisma. See, she's asking the question, Well, what do you do when a Christian leader is supposed to be sowing wheat, but instead he sows weeds and falls from grace? and lets you down big time? Well, one answer is we weep and we cry out to God in repentance for exalting Christian leaders beyond what they're capable of. Another answer is don't praise any Christian leader, no matter how greatly gifted they might be. I remember the acronym JAM, just a man, JAW, just a woman. Put not your trust in princes. And this is especially a word we need to remember when uh, ever elections come around and we think that the next politician in power 
will somehow deliver something that's never been delivered ever before in the history of mankind, that somehow whatever he or she is promising will this time fix up the problems across our society. But my friends, trust me, having lived through many elections now and seeing uh, and seen many prime ministers and premiers come and go, it's a matter of public record that the problems of health and education and Aboriginal struggles and racism and inequalities, the issues of drugs and crime and family violence and the problems of road fatalities and polluting the earth and so forth, they never, ever go away. They will one day, of course, but that's called the new heaven and the new earth. Now, all this doesn't mean we shouldn't seek to better our world or better our society or that we shouldn't not vote for people who make promises. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue better programs and ideas to help the poor or marginalised and to battle inequalities. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't trust uh, the GP or the specialist as you go under the knife, for example. It's just a reminder that this world is busted big time and it's groaning under the weight of sin. And one day that the old will give way to the new, but don't expect utopia or perfect politicians. Now, of course, the Bible also tells us to submit to our princes, to those in authority over us. But that's very different than placing our hopes or praise in our leaders. And notice from this psalm, three reasons are given for this warning. Verse 3, firstly, don't place your trust in a son of man. That's a description for the sons of Adam or the daughters of Eve. It's not the capital son of man. Uh, Don't place your trust in people. They can't offer salvation from your sins or give you eternal life. Secondly, verses 4a, people, even so-called great leaders, are just like you and me. They will one day breathe their last. They will crumble into dust. Genesis 3.19 tells us that. Even the so-called great ones across our society, they all get sick and they're all on the road to death, like you and me. One writer puts it well, no matter how long the obituary, how prestigious the funeral, no matter how large the estate, the paths to glory lead but to the grave. And thirdly, we're told, verse 4b, that people's plans will fail. Even the best of plans of the best of men and women will disappoint and will not fully deliver. And you can read Ecclesiastes if you don't believe that. I love what an American pastor from the 19th century said. He writes, I don't need John Calvin to tell me about total depravity. I have my congregation to show me that. And I might add, my church has its pastor as well to show us that. This is the constant call across scripture, isn't it? Don't trust people. Don't direct your praise toward people. That doesn't mean, by the way, don't encourage or support, but just don't place your hopes in humanity. So here's some examples of the same thing being taught. Psalm 33, verses 16 to 20. Proverbs 28, verse 26. Isaiah chapter 31, verses 1 to 3. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 6. And John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25 is a classic. Uh, We read this. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. People will always disappoint us. 
We will always disappoint people. This is life east of Eden, life this side of Genesis chapter 3. Friends, whatever prince or princess next comes along in society or even in your church, remember this reality. There is not a shoe in the world that is not filled with feet of clay. Put not your trust in princes. And then in verses 5 to, five to 9, there's a, refo a refocus. In great contrast, we're told where our trust and our praise is to be directed. And the psalmist gives us the activities and the actions of the God of Jacob, of Yahweh, the Lord, Israel's covenant-keeping, promise-delivering God. And we hear about a whole range of activities and actions. So we're to praise God because he's the creator of heaven and earth. That's a constant theme across the Psalms, isn't it? We're to praise God because he's faithful forever, unlike the princes of verses 3 and 4. Praise God because he will deliver perfect justice. He will feed the hungry. We can only sing, feed the world, but God can actually do it. We're to praise God. He will set the prisoners free. Isaiah 61 reminds us this will be the work of God's servant. We're to praise God because he will open the eyes of the blind. He'll lift up the lowly. He'll watch over the widow and the orphan and the refugee. We're to praise God because he will bring to ruin all evildoers and frustrate the plans of the wicked. Now, as you read through this list of God's activities in verses 5 to 9, it's not hard to recall the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. Here, here's where I think we're given glimpses of the gospel, and we see Jesus in this psalm, don't we? For Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. He raises those who are lowly. He loved the righteous. He welcomes strangers and Gentiles. He blesses the fatherless and the widow. Jesus turns the ways of the wicked upside down. You can simply slot in the name of Jesus to this psalm across verses 5 to 9, and it rings true. Jesus is worthy of all our praise and worship. Across the Gospels, he's not only doing things that only God does across the Old Testament. It's like God across, and like God across the Old Testament, Jesus will never disappoint. Verse 6, Jesus keeps faith forever. The hymn writer gets it right, O love that will not let you go. And verses 5 to 9 stand in direct contrast to verses 3 to 4. Mankind is a helpless creature. Earthly rulers die, but God reigns forever. Only God can be our present help in times of trouble. So direct your praise to him and to him alone. But as you read verses 5 to 9, I'm sure you realise that the world we live in is not quite like what's described here. I don't need to remind you that we live in a world that's broken and hurting, a world where justice is not always done or even seen to be done. It's a world indeed of broken hallelujahs. Just watch the news cycle. We still have to deal with the hungry, the poor, the downtrodden. The evildoer seems to win more often than not whether on the grand scale of a dictator ruling with an iron fist, even though their feet are clay, or even evil on the smaller scale, like internet scammers or drug dealers or house thieves. That's not talking about banks, by the way. Uh, just watch the news cycle to see the refugee and the migrant. Even at our church, they still get ripped off by dodgy employers. 
Where is this God who, verse 9, brings the wicked to ruin? Well, what we see in verses 5 to 9 is a future picture of healing and restoration, of shalom, of peace and wholeness across God's world. And for a brief moment across the Gospels, Jesus uh, gives us a foretaste of this restored kingdom of God. But it's still to come. It's still to be prayed for. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I like what uh, pastor, US author, uh, Chuck Swindoll says, those who praise God are realistic people who live in realistic times, but their hearts still overflow with joy. Because Psalm 146 is really a call for us to look upward and forwards, knowing that God in heaven is operating to his timetable and not ours, that our God in heaven is sovereign over all, which is another reason, of course, to praise him. And that's how the psalmist ends as well in verse 10, linking back to verse 1. Not just a lifetime of praise, but an eternity of praise is in store for Jesus' people. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, that's a name for God's people here, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. Here's a call to praise God, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Verse 10 is the call again for God's people to lift our voices in praise and worship for the person of God, for the character of God, for the attributes and actions of God, for the perfections of God. And as New Testament readers, we see all these in the person and work of God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, my friends, in Psalm 146 is a simple praise song that in the face of human failure and frailties and finalities, God remains faithful. He remains sovereign and trustworthy. From creation to eternity, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, God stands firm, ready to meet those in deepest need who cry out to him in praise. Now, the application for you and me from this psalm is often, well, we just need to praise God more, don't we? Let's devote a lifetime of praise as long as I live, as verse 1 tells us. It's a little bit like the common application you get from usually any sermon on prayer. The preacher will say, come on, God's people, you just should pray more, which is all very true. We should praise more. We need to pray more. Lord, please help us to do this. But it can also be very deflating, can't it? Especially if you know your heart and if you know my heart, which brings us back to the gospel and to bring our focus once again upon the Lord Jesus. A better question is, how can we be better at being a people of praise? And the answer is, well, keep looking to Jesus and the gospel and realize that only Jesus really fulfills verses 1 and 2 of this psalm. For the New Testament reminds us that Jesus is our true worship leader. Listen to how Hebrews 2 verses 10 to 13 puts it. For it was fitting that he, that is Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, that is why he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. 
and again I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children God has given me. John Calvin writes, Christ is the chief conductor of our hymns. So as you walk into church next time, get ready to lift your praise to the Lord, even if your week has been average or below or weak. And realize that because of the gospel, we now have a greater motivation to sing hallelujah than even the Old Testament saints. And because of the gospel, we now have the Lord Jesus leading us in praise and worship, taking our weak and inconsistent offerings of worship and holding us up before our gracious Heavenly Father. May the Spirit of Christ in us continue to help us be a people of praise. Thanks for listening to the Hills for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.